Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. To learn more about the church, feel free to drop by fredericksdachurch.org. Today's message is about deliverance, actually, and uh, we'll be talking about God delivering us from something that seems to be plaguing our society. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Our Father in heaven, Lord, we just humbly come before you once again in the name of Jesus Christ. And we come to you because we um, admit and realize that we're not perfect, that we're flawed. And the sin in our lives oftentimes clouds our vision of you. So Lord, we're asking for you to do something supernatural this morning. Um, We're asking that you forgive us of our sins and that you pull back the veil so that we can see you. Because only when we see you for who you really are is when true transformation takes place. God, we're going to be talking about deliverance this morning. And I pray, God, that as we we approach this, this very sensitive and touchy subject, Lord, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you can teach us that you can lead us, and that we can walk from this place different, is my prayer in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, for those of you that have been attending the last few weeks, you know that we are, we are nearing the end of a sermon series on stewardship, particularly the stewardship of money, the stewardship of finances. And uh, if, you, if you've missed one of the sermons in this series, you can go to our website, www.fredericksdachurch.org and you can download it. You can listen to them online. Um, Rob Conway, uh, Jeff and Gwen Jeffers have been doing an unbelievable job on our website, keeping our website up to date. Uh, You can go back to 2007 and hear sermons. That's how far back our archives go on the website. So I want to encourage you to do that. They just informed me a few weeks ago that we reached over a thousand subscriptions for our messages online. Over a thousand subscriptions. We don't even have a thousand members. Most of these subscriptions aren't church members. These are just individuals who are surfing the net, who stumble upon the website and then they subscribe and every week they get, they, you know, they, they get sent to them um, the, the new uh, message. And so that's an amazing ministry that we have. And I just want to make you guys aware of that, that that's available. It's free. You can go online, um, fredericksdachurch.org. You can download it. You can listen to it online. Um, if you've missed any part of, uh, of this series, um, I'd love for you to be able to catch up to, to where we are today. If For those of you that, that, that have been listening, um, let me just kind of remind you real quick um, or kind of bring you up to speed as to where what we've covered so far. Part one of this sermon series, we talked about how God owns everything. And that before we talk about money, we have to understand one thing. We have to understand that God will provide. God will provide for our needs. We have entered into this covenant relationship with him and he will provide what we need. I mean, it is just a principle. It is a foundational principle for all Christians to understand that God will provide our basic needs. All right. Part two, 
we talked about how we must put God first. We need to put God first in everything that we do, especially in our finances. I pointed out that there are over 2,300 passages in scripture that talk about finances and our possessions. Two-thirds of the parables of Jesus talk about finances and possessions and our relationship with that money. And as we discover, as we read through scripture, our relationship with money, our relationship with possessions is a barometer of our relationship with God. And that is why it's important for us to put God first in everything, in every aspect of our lives. But it's important for us to put God first in regards to our finances, our money, the possessions that we acquire. A few weeks ago, part three, we talked about worshiping God with our finances, worshiping God with our money. And we talked about covetousness. And the dangers that covetousness can bring to one's life. We talked about how when you covet something and when you desire something that's not yours, there are dangers that you can fall into because at the core of covetousness is worship. You see, because when you covet something, when you desire something, when you long for something other than God, you are putting the creation, the creation before the creator. And by putting the creation before the creator, you are making that object of your covetousness an idol in your life. The book of Colossians says that covetousness is idolatry. And so if we want to worship God with our finances, we must first understand one thing. We must first understand that God's going to provide. We must understand that we need to put him first in everything. But we also must understand that when we approach life, we must come to God and we must worship God and God alone and not the created, not the creation Because in so doing, we are putting that before God and we are making an idol of what we are pursuing, resulting in idol worship. Well, last time we talked about covetousness. We talked about the dangers of covetousness. And just to bring you up to speed again, danger number one, danger number one when we covet things, when we desire things of this world, when we desire material things, when we desire things that will only bring honor and glory to self, when we covet things, we forget the blessings that God has given us. In other words, when you are focusing on the things that you don't have, the danger is that you will forget the things that you do have. You will forget the many blessings that God has given to you. Danger number two, when you covet things, when you covet earthly things, when you covet the things of this world, danger number two is that you lose the joy of serving God. You lose the joy of serving him. Service to him becomes a task. Service to him becomes a bore, becomes a burden when you covet the things of this world. The danger is that you lose the joy, the simple, pure joy of just serving him for who he is instead of what you think you might get out of it. 
And the danger number three is that it destroys relationships. When you covet the things of this world, when you covet the things, when you covet possessions and the acquisition of, of money for just the sake of acquiring it or for your own honor and your own glory to, to lift yourself up or to boost your self-esteem, the danger is that you will destroy the relationships in your life. Relationships with your spouse, relationships with your church, relationships with your brothers and sisters in Christ, relationships with your sons and your daughters. You destroy the relationships in your life if you do not control or overcome covetousness. Well, today's message I mentioned is about deliverance. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is how can we overcome covetousness? I want to give you some very practical, easy ways that you can leave here today and you can start applying these principles to your life that will help you overcome covetousness. If you find yourself this morning in this rat race, if you find yourself this morning always wanting more, always wanting the latest and greatest, always wanting to, 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 to get something bigger and better and faster so that you can to show yourself to be, hey, look, I'm well off, right? L- look at me. If you want to get out of that, then these principles, if you apply these principles to your life, you will be able to overcome covetousness. And I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, we read in Matthew chapter 20 principles that will help us to overcome covetousness. Matthew chapter 20, starting with verse 1, I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning. Matthew chapter 20, starting with verse 1. It says this, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for the vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard and he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. So the, the early in the morning, at six o'clock, a work day from six in the morning to six in the evening. Here he goes. He finds workers to come work in his field and he finds these individuals to come in and he makes a covenant with them. He makes an agreement with them that you work for me all day and I will give you one denarius. I'll give you a denarius a day. And they say, great. That's awesome. Agreed. We'll do it. But then... The landowner goes out at nine o'clock and then again at 12 o'clock and then again at three o'clock in the afternoon. And then it says here the 11th hour, he goes out at five o'clock in the afternoon, one hour before closing. 
One hour before everyone's to go home, one hour before you close up shop and call it a day, he goes out and finds out even more laborers and says to them, hey, listen, why don't you come and work for me and I will give you what is right. All right, so this is where we're at, okay? Verse eight, so when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the 11th hour, five o'clock in the afternoon, one hour before closing, they each received a denarius. All right, so. We stop there for one second and we say, okay, this could be good, right? This isn't a bad thing. I mean, if they've only been working for one hour and they've received a denarius, I've been here since nine o'clock this morning or I've been here since six o'clock. I've been here since noon. I've been here since three. That must mean I'm going to get more. Yes, this is awesome. I'm going to get more. Not so. If we read verse 10, it says, but when the first came, they supposed that they were to receive more and they likewise received each a denarius. Wait a second. That's not fair. Why do they have more than I do? Now, they both have denarius, but in all practical sense, they have more. Why? Because they worked less. So they were given more for what they had given. So wait a second. This isn't fair. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on here. How is it that this is possible? This isn't fair. And you know, if that was to happen in our workplace... Or if that was to happen in our place of employment. Or if that was to happen here in the church. Well, can you imagine? There would be an uproar. Yeah, it would be easy for me to say, you know, I get paid the same as that. As that the pastor down the street that only has 150 members in his church. Not fair. Not fair, right? Well, let's continue reading. It says here. In verse 12, saying, these last men have worked only one hour and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? And now this is where I'm going to start extracting principles from this story. Because it did not go south for them until they started to what? Compare themselves with one another. When they began to compare themselves with one another is when the whole thing went south. And so the principle that I want to draw out here is that if you want to overcome covetousness in your life, one, You have to be thankful for the blessings that God has given you. Not what they have given someone else. 
If we get into this business of starting to compare ourselves with one another, trust me, we fall into the danger of covetousness, which then we forget the blessings that God has given us. So, ble- so principle number one, if you want to overcome covetousness in your life, you have to be conscious and you have to be intentional about thanking God for the things that he has already given you, for the blessings that you have in your life. Now, you might be saying to me, oh, Pastor, whoa, whoa, wait a second. There, there, uh, there's not too many blessings flowing my way. I don't have that many blessings in my life. No, no, wait. I, I'm asking you, you need to stop and be intentional about thinking of the blessings in your life. The fact that you're here this morning is a blessing from God. The, bless, the, the, the fact that you were able to get up this morning and put on some clothes and maybe grab a bite to eat and that, that you woke up not, not outside, not in some cardboard box. The fact that you were able to wake up in a home and the fact that you were maybe even able to argue and have a fight with a family member, with your spouse, with, with the son or daughter. That's a blessing. There are some people that have no family. You need to be thankful for the blessings that you have in your life. I remember saying a few weeks ago, if the grass is greener on the other side, thank God that you have eyes to see that green grass. Oh, pastor, but my vision is poor. Thank God that you have glasses and contacts to be able to correct your vision. We can go on and on. We need to be thankful for the blessings that we have in our lives. I have so much fun preparing talks and messages um, because I come across the the strangest stories sometimes and some of the the weirdest things. You know, you 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 Google, you 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 try and find stories that kind of connect with 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 your message. And I found this one article um, about a woman who was attempting to take her life in New York City. 54th story. And she was just about to, to jump. And, and, and the, the, the fire department had come. The police had come. Negotiators had come. Counselors had come. Nothing was working. The, the lady was bent on taking her life. Finally, her pastor showed up. And she was like, pastor, stay away. I'm jumping. I mean it. Don't you take one step closer. And the pastor stopped. But he said to her, you know, it is such a shame that your grandchildren just hate you. And the lady said, wait a second. Got her her attention, said, wait a second. My grandchildren don't hate me. They love me. What are you talking about? And he says, well, it sure is a shame that they don't like spending any time with you. Now, pastor, you know better than that. My grandchildren, they love me and they love spending time with me. They love coming over to the house and spending the weekend with me. Uh, You're crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. And And he says, well, it's too bad that you're just dirt poor. And she goes, pastor, with a grin on her face. She says, pastor, you know better. I'm pretty wealthy. I return a pretty healthy tithe and offering. You know I have 
the, the financial resources. I don't know what you're talking about. And the pastor says, why are you here? And the article says that she stopped for a second and said, I forgot. We need to remember. We need to be intentional about praising God and thanking God for the things that he has given us. Because when our focus turns from that to the things that we don't have and we start to covet the things that we don't have, the danger that we fall into is that we forget the blessings of God. But if you want to overcome covetousness this morning, All you need to do is apply this one principle into your life and you need to start remembering the many, many blessings that God has given us. Two days ago, two days ago, we celebrated or not celebrated, we we remember the anniversary of the 32 students who were killed at Virginia Tech. 32 students. And, and if you take any one of those parents and you ask them, what would one more day with your son or with your daughter mean to you? What, what, what kind of a gift would that be for you? What do you think they would say? I would give up everything. And here we are. We've been given that gift. We've been given that blessing here today. We need to remember the blessings that God has given us. If you want to overcome covetousness, you have to remember the blessings that God has bestowed on you and your family already. And it may be hard for you to come up with some because for so long you've just been thinking about the negative and the negative and and nothing goes my way and everything is, is going wrong. But if you take time to just stop and to think and be intentional Perhaps you need to just start jotting it down and say, God, what are some of the blessings in my life? You've given me a mind to think. You've given me the ability to serve. You've given me the the, the willpower to go help. I have a home. I have a family. I have friends. You need to be intentional about thanking God for the things in your life and not focusing on what other people have. Well, We read on here, verse 13, and he answered one of them and said, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to these, to this last man, the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? He says, or is your evil eye because of my good? The second principle that I want to draw out from this text is that if you want to overcome covetousness, you have to find the joy of serving God for the simple joy of serving him for who he is. Period. I serve God. And if you want to add to that. I worship God. I love God. But, but here it is. I serve God simply. Because of who he is. Not because of what I think God can give me. 
Not because what I think God's going to bring my way. Not because there's a mansion waiting for me in heaven. Not because I want to be able to walk through those pearly gates and walks on streets of gold. If none of that was in play, would you still worship? Would you still serve God unconditionally? To serve God unconditionally, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what situation you may be in. I serve God because I love God. You see, because one of the dangers of covetousness is that we lose the joy of serving. Because when we covet things, we get into this mindset. We get into this bargaining agreement with God that says, hey, listen, if you... Or if I return my tithe and my offerings, then I expect you to kind of, you know, watch out for me financially and, and really kind of bless me a little bit more than, than the next guy. Or if I church, serve my church or if I'm part of a ministry, God, I'm expecting that if I'm doing this stuff for you, you know, you're going to return this to me. Now, the nature of God is to want to bless you, but that can't be our attitude. We need to serve him regardless, serve him unconditionally, serve him just because we love him. And the reason why, the reason why is because God doesn't always give us the things that we want. And so if our relationship with him or if our service to him is based on what he gives or what he takes away, guess what? Your relationship with God, your service to him is going to be one big roller coaster ride, up and down, up and down, up and down. But if you find the joy of just serving him unconditionally because of who he is, and I will interject that he has done enough for us already to deserve a million lifetime of service. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's already given us more than enough to serve him unconditionally for the rest of our lives. All right. But we need to find the joy of serving him for the simple pleasure of serving him for who he is. If you want to overcome covetousness, one of the principles that you need to start applying to your life, one of the things that you need the Holy Spirit to start working in your life is to say, you know, God, I am going to serve you regardless. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give back to you. Why? Because I love you. The story I read and, and, and the documentation, the records, the, the, um, the news really hasn't known much about this one ship that went down during World War II called the, I, I don't want to mispronounce it, the Lancastria. One of the biggest um, maritime disasters in Britain history. What had happened was that the, the, the German um, army was pushing all the citizens and all the soldiers back through France. And they were finally reaching the beach. And, Church and uh, Winston Churchill sent out the call. Any ships, any boats, anyone that can go rescue the citizens and our soldiers from the beach, go do it. And so this cruise liner turned itself into a rescue boat and went and docked itself on the port there in France. And reports say that Nearly 9,000 people 
were on this boat. And as it was leaving shore to go back to Britain, an airplane, a bomber from above, dropped a bomb. And the reports say that that bomb went right through the smokestack, blowing the, 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 the Lancastria in half. And the, and the boat began to sink. Hasn't been long since we've known this. They've kind of kept it under wraps. But if you want to know more, just go to Google and type in Lacastria. There's a lot more reports and, 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 um, and whatnot on this specific story. Reports from survivors say that there was a chaplain on board. And by the way, reports say that anywhere from two to 4,000, some reports up to 6,000 um, people lost their lives in the sinking of that ship. Reports from survivors talk about this chaplain who was on board. That as he was walking on the decks, rescuing people, trying to save people, he looked down and in the bow of the ship, there were 200 soldiers who were trapped in the bow of the ship. And reports say that this chaplain lowered himself down to be with these men, knowing that he was not going to come back up alive. And reports from the floating um, um, boats, that, from the rescue boats, reports say that as the ship was going down, they could hear the voices of 200 men singing hymns and praise to God. Selfless service to God. He wasn't expecting anything in return. He wasn't looking for, for a medal. He wasn't doing it for fame. He was doing it, why? Because of his love for God and that love for God prompted him to serve God unconditionally. We need to find ourselves in a place where we're serving God unconditionally because we love him, not because of what we think we're going to get at the end of the road. No, because really it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. It's about the journey. Principle number one is that we need to remember the blessings that God has given us. Principle number two to overcome covetousness is that we need to serve God out of joy, uh, with joy, out of love for him. Verse 14, take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give you to the last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil before I am good? L listen, folks, it is God's prerogative what he gives and what he takes away. We need to understand that. It is God's prerogative. And in God's infinite wisdom, with the sole purpose to save souls, he decides and determines what to do with each individual Case by case. It says here, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because, of, because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last for many are called, but few are chosen. 
And the last principle that I would like to point out to you, if you want to overcome covetousness in your life, you remember the third danger of covetousness was that covetousness destroys relationships, destroys relationships. And the principle number three that I want to pull out from this is that we must look at our, our, our neighbors. We must look at our brothers and sisters in Christ. We must look at our family, at our spouses, at our kids. We must look at them through the eyes of God. We must reach out to them and build relationships with them in order so that we can share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to share with them. We we need to see them through God's eyes. As long as you are focused on the denarius that they have. As long as your focus is on what they have, guess what? You will never be able to build a relationship with them. You will forfeit a relationship with that person. As long as you're thinking, man, they have a car that goes 3.8 from 0 to 60 in 3.8 seconds. And I have a car that that goes from 0 to 60 in, in 12 seconds. As long as you're saying they have five rooms in their house and I have only two. As long as you're coveting. What they have, you will never be able to establish and build a relationship with them. And so principle number three is that we must, we must look at individuals through the eyes of God and long and desire to serve them unconditionally and build that relationship with them and not just say, you know, because of what they have, they must be like dot, 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 fill in the blank. Well, look at her or look at him. Where does he get off or how in the world? No, 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 no. You see them through the eyes of Christ. Another story that I ran by is about a lady, an elderly woman in California who had gone into the grocery store, had gotten her stuff. As she was heading out of the grocery store with all her stuff, she noticed that there were four men breaking into her car. And she hurriedly dropped her bags and, and, you know, the adrenaline rush. And she went up to the car, to the front of the car, to the hood. The four men are walking in and she pulls a pistol out of her purse. And she points the pistol at them and she says, get out of my car now. I know how to use it. Get out now. Well, you can imagine these four men just scurried. I mean, they just ran for their lives. She thought, huh. I taught them. She goes back. She grabs her bags. She gets in the car. She goes to put the key in the ignition and it doesn't go in. And she realizes, oh my. This isn't my car. (laughs) The article goes on to say that she went down to the police station to tell them what had happened. And, uh, you know, as they're taking the report, she looks across the, the police station on the other side of the room. And there are these, these anxious, sweaty, um, hyper four guys giving their side of the story. The article says that, that she laughed and, and, you know, obviously they were able to clear things up. But what had that lady done? 
She all of a sudden, she, she, she made a, a quick value judgment on these individuals without first taking the time to investigate. And how many times it is like that in our own lives. We see someone driving a car. We see our neighbor acquiring this or acquiring that. We see the, 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 the highlights or we see the, the dress or, or, you know, we see the suits or we see the watch or whatever it is. And immediately we put up roadblocks because it's, oh, I can't believe. And we neglect to build relationships with them. Why? Because we're coveting the things that they have. It is important. Principle number three, that we start to see people through the eyes of God. And when you read this story, when you read this parable, and, and you, you, you realize, wait a second, this landowner is God. And, and, and you see the intentions of God. And what are the intentions of God in this story? If it's not to bless, if it's not to give, if it's not to say, hey, listen, I'm going to take you out of the situation that you're in and I'm going to help you out of that situation and I'm going to put you in a better situation. He's taking these guys who have been standing idle all day and he's saying, you know what? I can restore you. I can rebuild you. I can help you. Come work for me, even if it's for one hour. And listen, guess what? I want to bless you beyond what you're worth. I want to I just pour out on you. And if we begin to see individuals with that attitude, If we begin to see people through the eyes of God, guess what? The things that we covet will soon just fade away. Will soon just go away. You want to overcome covetousness. Principle number one. Remember the blessings that God has given you. Principle number two. Serve God with joy. For who he is, not what he can do for you. And principle number three. Build relationships. Start to see people through the eyes of God. And if you apply these three principles to your life. The covetousness in your life. The things that you now covet. You will begin to see them slowly but surely diminish. You will see them just fade away. Isn't there a song that talks about that? This is why the Bible reminds us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All of these things will be added unto you. But if you put God first, then the things of this world will grow strangely dim. My prayer as we leave this place is that we can begin today to apply these principles to our lives so that we can be known as a people that know and understand the blessings that we have and that it's the first thing out of our mouths and say, you know, God has blessed me tremendously with fill in the blank. I want to be known as a people in the community that are constantly praising God for his goodness, not for the things that we don't have, No, we need to thank God for the things that we do have. I want to be known in this community as a church that serves unconditionally. That serves this community unconditionally, not returning, not expecting anything in return. No, no. 
just serving God out of the pure joy of just serving him for who he is. And after all, did he not say, if you have done it unto the least of these, you have done it unto me. I want to be known as a community that serves God unconditionally as we serve the community. And I hope that we can be known in this community as a, as a community of faith, of people who are about building and making relationships, building them up, building relationships with them so that we can share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. We see people through the eyes of God and we meet them where they're at and we love them unconditionally just as Christ has loved them but we serve them, we love them, we build relationships with them. Will you purpose in your heart today as you leave this place that we will be known in the community as a community of faith, as a church that lives out these three principles? Can I see the commitment as you raise your hand and say, this is the community of faith that we will be. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you so much for the principles that we were able to extract from this parable. Lord, for some of us, we find ourselves in a rat race. We find ourselves just go, 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 go because we need, 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 need. We need more, 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 more. God, help us to slow down. Help us to not covet these earthly things anymore. Help us to, to, to covet the things of God, the things that bring honor and glory to you and help us to apply these principles in our lives so that we can break the cycle, so that we can overcome covetousness. Help us to remember the blessings that you have given us. Help us to serve you with joy and, and the purity of just serving you because of who you are. God, help us to build relationships with the people around us. God, we thank you for Jesus who makes all this possible. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who works in us mightily to accomplish these things. God, it is in the name of Jesus Christ that we ask these things this morning. Amen. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. They are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can feel free to learn more about them at frederick.sdachurch.org. For more podcasts, you can click on Sermon Audio. 